Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. I want you to know that it is my aim today to exalt the meek life. If I do my job right, you will walk away today with the understanding, with the belief that the meek life, the low life, the life that is despised in the world, the life that is uncelebrated in the world, you will walk away today with the understanding that that kind of life it is not only commendable, okay? It is not only honorable, but it is great. I want you to know that no matter what you have been dealt physically, no matter what you have been dealt relationally, no matter what you have been dealt emotionally or financially, no matter your age, no matter your constitution, understand that in the person of Jesus Christ, in the taking on of Jesus' simpled, I know that's not a word, but simpled life, you can do great things in the kingdom of God. You can do great things in Him. We see it in the example of the widow. Her small gift equaled a great one. That's the first thing we can understand when we look at the widow. Her small gift equaled a great one. And therefore, I can understand that my small gift equals a great gift. You see, Jesus said in our passage, I tell you the truth that this poor widow has put in more than all of the others. What did she put in? Well, the Scripture says they were two Small copper coins. Why did she give that? Well, the widow gave the small gift because small was all she had. Small was all she had. Understand that in the Jewish world, upon the death of a husband, women were to receive a payment, though generally it would not have been enough for her to support herself. So we can understand that the widow's gift was small because small was all she had. And I just wonder, you know, when you look at your life in contributing to the kingdom of God in that, that context, you know, giving to the, the things of God, do you ever feel like you bring a small gift? Do you ever feel like you have a, a small gift to bring, do you ever question its significance? You know, do you ask yourself, you know, well, does this does this really matter? You know, is this going to help in 
you know, I look over at so-and-so over here, and, you know, man, they, they've been gifted with this, and, and these people over here, oh, man, they're able to do that. They're, those other folks are able to do so much. I see them doing so much for God. And so what I have, when I look, look at my gifts, they just seem so small. And, you know, in Luke 21, the widow, she went to the temple and, and she got in, in the line with the rich and all the rich, they were in front of her and they were placing their large gifts, their great gifts, into the temple treasury, dressed in their, their flowing robes. And I wonder, did the widow feel ashamed? Did she feel ashamed? You know, did, did she think to herself, I mean, you know, what am I doing here with all of these, these people? Bringing, bringing the kind of gifts that they're bringing. What's the point of me being here? Did she question her worth? Did she question if she truly belonged there? And so I wonder, you know, have you ever been ashamed of your gift? Have you ever been ashamed of your gift? I remember a few years ago, uh, it was Christmas morning and I had opened several gifts um, and I started to open up the last gift. And when I did that, um, you know, one of the girls said, No, Dad, don't open it. You know, and she ran out of the room. And I thought, what in the world? You know, that's a question you ask a lot when you have daughters. What in the world? <laughs> but I opened her gift. And it was a, a paperback. New Testament, you know, one of those you can get from the the Gideons. And it was old, this little Bible, and it, it was bent, it had a crease on the cover, and there was a tear in the corner, and some of the pages, you know, were, were bent back. And I realized that my daughter, she was ashamed of her gift. You see, she saw me open the other gifts, you know, new clothes and, and, and new things that came... From the store, they came in the mail through the internet. Oh my goodness. So she was ashamed of what she had, had brought. But you know, of course, I mean, I went to her and I said, Honey, what a gift. I mean, the, the words of God, life, life everlasting, what in the world could possibly be a greater gift than that? But you know, sometimes... We're ashamed of the small gifts. You know, we're ashamed of the small things that we bring to the king. But stream, do you know, do you know what great things are made of? Small things. Understand that great Things are made from small things. And I want you to know that when you contribute to the kingdom of God, know today that no matter how small your gift may be, when it comes to your words, forget about how short your words are, or how imperfect or unpoetic your words are. Forget about that. When it comes to your deeds, don't worry about the clumsiness that you have a tendency toward. Don't worry about how simple your prayer might be, but recognize that in the kingdom of heaven, my small gift equals a great gift. It's great in God's eyes. You know, why is this, why is it great? You know, one of the things um, that I love to watch with the girls uh, when they're young is I love to watch them give gifts to one another. I love to watch them give gifts to each other because, you know, when you're young, 
you've got no money, you know, you have no job, no, no source of income, well, how are you supposed to give a gift? You know, what do you do when Christmas time rolls around, when a birthday comes? Well, you give from what you have, right? You know, you give what you have been given. You know, when no one is looking, you you go into your room and you close the door and you, you tiptoe over to your toy box and you look down through your toys, all the things that you've been given, all the things that you desire, all the things that you enjoy, and you pick one and you give it to another. You give it away. And listen, I love to see the girls give like that because those kind of gifts, they are all heart, right? Those kind of gifts are all Love, and it is that kind of gift that your king will prize. How great is its value? How great is its value in his eyes? Now, I've been reading Francois Finilon, the 17th century theologian, um, lately, so I'm quoting him several times this morning, so I'm just stopping to mention this because you're going to hear me mention his name several times. I just want to let you know, I may not agree with every single thing he ever said, but the reason I got turned on to him was he lit A.W. Tozier's world on fire. If you know A.W. Tozier, that's fine. If you don't, you know, don't worry about it. It's not going to impact uh, where we're going. But, you know, in fact, A.W. Tozier, he had a lot of books in his personal library, and he was always willing to lend those books out. But he had one book that he refused to ever let out of his sight. And it was a book by Francois Finilone. So when I read that, I thought, well, you know, it's not going to hurt me to try to read uh, this guy for a little bit. So uh, no big deal, but, but that's um, a little bit about who he is and why I'm quoting him. And Finilone said this about what we give to God. He said, God does not regard our actions as much as the motive of love from which they spring. Okay? He said, God does not regard our actions as much as the motive of love from which they spring. He wrote, men judge our deeds by outward appearance. God does not take into account what is most dazzling. What he desires is a pure intention, a will ready for anything and ever pliable in his hands. So he said, God does not regard our actions as much as the motive of love from which they spring. Men judge our deeds by appearance. The widow, she brought two small copper coins. Her gift was small because small was all she had. But notice that Jesus saw the gift. Men didn't. Two small copper coins, I mean, that's not the kind of a gift that men will notice. It's insignificant, they say. It's of no consequence. Take it away. It's dinky. It's a, it's a McDonald's Happy Meal toy. This gift you're bringing. Two small copper coins. It, it's worth nothing. Toss it, says a man. But God, He loves what you give when you give it with a pure heart. Okay, he loves what you give when it's given with a pure heart. So learn from this widow today. 
in Luke 21 that my small gift equals a great gift. My small gift equals a great gift. And then also, we can learn from this widow today that my simple faith equals a sacrificial life. Okay? My simple faith equals a sacrificial life. In verse 4 of our passage, Jesus said, listen, you know, all these people here at the temple, see what they're giving. I mean, they're, they're giving out of their wealth. And the, the wealthy, they have plenty more that they could be giving. But this widow, she is putting in all that she has. She's putting it all in. And I want you to understand what that meant for her to put it all in. You know, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for widow, it did not just refer to a woman who had lost her husband. Okay? The Hebrew word for widow didn't just refer to a woman who had lost her husband, but it also referred to a woman who had no son. It also referred to a woman who had no means of financial support. The word widow could... Uh, be a woman who was, who was denied the support of her father-in-law because her father-in-law had died or because her father-in-law had simply decided to cut her off, which happened. Know that in Greek culture, in Greek culture, it was not uncommon for women to be ejected from their home upon the death of their husband. Because it was the husband's home and he was no longer alive. And so often in Greek culture, the woman would be expelled from her own home. So when we read about this widow putting in all that she has, understand that there is is no stability for her. Okay? There is no insurance, there is no guarantee, there is no mean of support. So how could she take all that she had, the last that she had, and give it? What would cause a person to do something that reckless? It was faith. It was simple faith. You see, the widow... She heard what God said and she believed. She heard what God said and she believed it. She believed God when He said in Luke 9.23, If people want to follow Me, they must give up the things they want. They must be willing to give up their lives daily to follow Me. She believed God when He said that. It was simple faith. She believed him when he said in Matthew 19.21, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. She heard it, and she believed it. She had simple faith. Luke 6.38, Give, it shall be given unto you. She heard, and she believed. You see, Jesus spoke, and the widow believed, and that's what we call simple faith. Jesus spoke it, and we believe it. It's simple faith. Really, simple faith, I thought it's faith like a child. It's the faith of a child. Simple faith. 
I've been thinking about childlike uh, faith the last few weeks, really, and what that means uh, for us, what that should look like. And Mark chapter 10, of course, um, they tell us that Jesus uh, took a child into his arms and he blessed him. And when I think about that scene, you know, if you can just take a moment and imagine, you know, that child coming up to Jesus and Jesus taking him up into his arms. You know, when I think about that scene of a child being held in Jesus' arms, I can imagine, you know, that that child, I mean, he was looking up into the face of Jesus. Who is this man, you know, who is holding me? And you know, the thing, the thing about Jesus that the child wouldn't have recognized, the thing about Jesus was Jesus was a really controversial figure, right? I mean, he was then and he is now. The people, you know, were trying to figure out, they've always been trying to figure out, you know, who is this man? What's he doing? What's, what's the plan? What is going on here with this Jesus figure? And so there were so many debates and so many arguments and controversies, you know, that were swirling and swooshing, you know, about the Son of God. Who is Jesus? But when I think about that child, In Mark chapter 10, that child that was on Christ's arm, that was looking up in his face. You know, in that moment, all the child knew was man. Jesus loves me. That's all the child knew in that moment. Was this man loves me. I am loved by Jesus. It was the faith of a child. It was a simple faith. The child wasn't concerned about the jots and the the trivialities about the Christ figure. It was someone who loved him. And that was all he needed to know. You know? That was all he needed to know at that moment. That moment was that Jesus loved him. Simple faith. You know, one of the things that I love... In our home right now is when our four-year-old Hazel gets up in the morning. So she gets up and, you know, her hair's all woo-woo, you know, and she's, um, she's in her nightgown and she's marching around the house. I don't know what it is about the mornings, but they like to march like this in the mornings. But she's marching around this house and she'll say, Dad, I'm ready to watch PBS Kids. Yes, ma'am, I say. I turn on PBS Kids. She'll sit down next. She'll say, Dad, I'm ready for mini wheats. I want mini wheats with milk and a spoon. Yes, ma'am, I say. I get her mini wheats with milk and a spoon, which is very important. I'm always reminded. But the thing that strikes me about Hazel as she marches about is that in her heart, there is no concern of where many wheats come from. Right? There is no question, well, will the many wheats be up on the top of the refrigerator? There is no worry for her. There is no anxiety. There is no pouring over trade wars and tariffs and shipping methods and food safety, supply and demand. First in, first out. Is there money in the bank? Is there gas in the tank? Wouldn't Cheerios be better for her tea? She's not concerned. 
doesn't even cross your mind. Why? Simple faith. Simple faith. And understand that it is, it's that kind of faith. It's that brand of faith. It is that metal of faith that enables the child, that enables the needy, that enables the destitute, that enables the unflashy, the ungifted, the widow, and you to give all they have. To offer it up to the king. To sacrifice all they have. Now I'm sorry to drop a word like sacrifice on us here. It's a big word, a weighty word. Um, bit of a shock to go from cereal to sacrifice. But the truth of the matter is this. Believing God. Okay, listen to this. Believing God inevitably leads to a sacrificial life. Okay? Believing God inevitably leads to a sacrificial life. Simple faith equals a sacrificial life. You know, I wonder, did you ever have a simple faith? Can you think back to a time? You know, maybe you were young. You were young and you had just believed, so you just believed. Okay? You had just believed, so you just believed. Did you ever have a simple faith? Maybe there were fewer burdens than you have now. You know, maybe the troubles weren't as constant as they are now. The crosses that you bore, the griefs that you had, you didn't feel them you know, as much as you can feel them now. You know, maybe you didn't know so much when you had simple faith. You know, you didn't know as much then as you do now. It always gets me, there's a... This isn't too far off the trail. But there's a verse uh, in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 1.18 says, For in much wisdom is much grief. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Okay, so it's saying in much wisdom you'll have much grief. When you have much knowledge, you'll have much sorrow. And the commentators that I've read have always said, oh, well, when it talks about wisdom and knowledge uh, increasing your grief and sorrow, well, see, it's talking about, about worldly wisdom. Only worldly wisdom would, would bring that about. They say it's talking about man's knowledge. But I've never agreed with that. And I'm not trying to be contrary with the commentators because I know I'm way out of my depth when it comes to that. But I've never agreed with that because, listen, as we grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of God, as we grow, yes, there is joy in the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. Yes, there is joy, great joy in the wisdom and the knowledge of God, There is goodness there and wisdom, but there is also a growing understanding of evil. A growing understanding of sin, the pain that sin can cause, its depth, its destruction. As you grow in wisdom, you're able to see what it can do 
there's a weight there. You know, there is knowledge. Maybe today there's so many things, you know, that weren't, that weren't there. I mean, back in the days of simple faith, life was so much easier. Like this widow. Jesus said it, you believed it, and you did it. You know, you sacrificed. That was how you lived. Christ had made His mark on you. And if there were ever days of simple faith, may we ask today, where has my simple faith gone? Okay? Can we ask that question today? Where has my simple faith gone? Because I'll tell you, uh, the thing about burdens, and the thing about troubles, and crosses, and griefs, and knowledge, and all those things, well, all those things unquestionably... Okay, unquestionably, those things are used of God to draw me nearer to Him. There's no debate in that. But we also know from experience, while those things can cause me to grow, they can also cause me to slow. Okay, they can cause me to grow, but they can also cause me to slow. They can cause me to lose step with my Savior, to fall far behind Him, to begin to doubt, what the ever-faithful has promised, to neglect the face, you know, to forget the face that I once, once looked up to with such an astonishment and thought, wow, He loves me. It was simple faith. But something happens. You know, what causes us to fall behind? What causes us to lose the thought, amazing love? How can it be that Thou, my God, shouldst die for me? What causes us to lose that what causes us to fall behind Francois Fenelon had some good thoughts about it why we slow rather than grow he wrote ease and promptness in yielding to the movements of God are the means by which souls make the greatest advances Those who are ingenious enough never to hesitate make incredible progress. However, others argue and never fail to find sufficient reason not to follow. They are willing and not willing. They want to wait for certainties. They search about for advisors who will bid them not to do what they are afraid of doing. They stop at every step and look back, then languish. Okay, listen, it says they languish in irresolution and insensibly estrange the Spirit of God. If you got lost there, don't worry about it. Just catch this sentence. He wrote, at first they grieve the Spirit of God by their hesitation. Okay, he's saying this is what happens to people who lose the simple faith. He says, first they grieve the Spirit of God by their hesitation, then they irritate Him by their resistance, and finally they quench the Holy Spirit by repeated opposition. Okay, hesitation, resistance, and opposition. No, we say. We tell Him, no, I'm not going to go there. That doesn't make sense, Jesus. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give that. You know, I need this. I want this. We say, you need to explain this, God. You need to explain to me before I take the step of simple faith. Ha! (laughs) That He would explain to us 
What happened to marching right behind Jesus? What happened to looking up in wonder? In wonder it is love that we would pray for simple faith today, that God, that You would give it to me again, that, that my hesitations of the day, that my resistance of the day, that my ultimately opposition to You, that it would end crushed through the power of the Spirit, that we would return to our first love, that we would let Him lead, and that we would move with Him today in step. That we would move with Him. For born of love, listen, born of love was the sacrifice that the Son made for mankind. Born of love is our sacrifice to Him. Finney Lone said, God cannot find where to set His foot in souls so full of themselves who have grown fat upon their own wisdom and virtues. You'll learn from this widow. She put in all she had. She put in all she had. And therefore, when I, like the widow, when I put in all I have, I can understand that my simple faith, it's equaling a sacrificial life. I am living out the call to leave all. So learn from the widow today that my small gift equals a great gift. That's the first lesson. Second, learn from the widow. My simple faith equals a sacrificial life. And then thirdly today, learn from the widow. My selfless poverty equals a sweet communion. My selfless poverty equals a sweet communion with Jesus Christ. You know, when I think about the widow, uh, Jesus said in verse 4 of our passage, you know, not only, you know, we read that she gave everything that she had, but she did it out of poverty, we're told. She did it out of poverty, meaning what? That she was lacking basic survival Needs. As we look at the widow, I want us to understand her poverty went beyond her finances. Her poverty went beyond her finances. For example, in Rome, in Rome, if a woman had the title mother of the family, which was an official title, that you could have upon the death of her husband if she had not borne any sons or did not have any living sons she was stripped of her title mother of the family so in society she she lost her social identity so she wasn't just losing out financially her role was also being taken away widowhood could also mandate a change of dress okay you could no longer dress The same way you had to wear your head covering folded in a certain way under the rule of Augustus in Rome. Uh, For a time, women were penalized if they did not remarry within a year. So if you, you had a year to get married, if you didn't, then you were fined by the government. We know from our passage last week, we read uh, that widows were easy targets of predators. In Luke 20, verse 47, it said they devour widows' houses. They devour widows' houses. You know, in the Jewish world, um, one thing to note that uh, the widow's house, 
in Jewish culture. Her children couldn't throw her out of the house, but they didn't have to repair it. And so the widow, with no means of support, once her dwelling broke down, once it became dilapidated and unlivable, uh, no one was responsible for repairing her home if it were to collapse. So on so many levels... There was poverty. You know, she was, was stripped down, brought down to nothing in so many ways. Likely impoverished, financially, relationally, socially impoverished. And again, though she was in need, selflessly we're told, she put in the only two things she had, two small copper coins. So we see her selfless Poverty, though this is my state, this is my position, I'm going to selflessly give in that position. Out of it. So we can see her selfless poverty. So then, how do we get from selfless poverty to a sweet communion? Because that's a rough place to be in, right? Selfless poverty. So how am I getting from there to a sweet Communion, a holy communion with God. Essentially we're saying there's a right relationship there uh, when I use that phrase, a sweet uh, communion. But how does that happen? Well, if you look back, you don't need to turn there, but if you look back in Luke chapter 9, and they're at the point where Jesus, He's chosen His twelve disciples. And so now that he's chosen them, he's <clears throat> he's sending them out uh, to preach the kingdom of God. But before he, he sent them, he said this to them. He said, take nothing for your journey. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Take nothing for the journey. Now why do you think Jesus said that? Why would he tell the disciples, take nothing for your journey? Why would he say to you who would follow after Christ, you must lose your life? Why would he say, you know, you must deny yourself, take nothing? Second to last quote from Finney Lowe, and then I'll stop. He says, we must lend an attentive ear for his voice is soft and still and is only heard by those who hear nothing else. Okay, He said, we must lend an attentive ear for his voice is soft and still and is only heard by those who hear nothing else. Why would he say take nothing? That we would only hear one, that we would hear nothing else. Take nothing, that you would hear nothing but me. What noisy lives we live today. I was going to talk about cell phones, but Pastor Greg talked about that last week. I thought he did a good job, so we'll just not touch the phones today. But what noisy lives we lead, what noisy souls are within us endlessly. Guys, endlessly we are followed by beeps and dings and tickings and countdowns. Light, flashing, changing. I can't even get gas anymore out of a pump without music blaring in my face. If it's going to be, let it be, let it be. Baby, just let it be. It's just, I'm like, I can't even pump gas. And it's like screaming at me. There is noise everywhere. 
It's everywhere. I don't understand why I have to watch TV at a gas pump, but that's not our point. Listen, this... (laughs) This is our point, that that is what the world has become, a distorted ball of noise. What noisy lives we have, you know, in our souls. I mean, there's so much heart distraction there, so many temptations. We're, We're full of amusements, you know, we're full of desires, we're full of vain passions, false wisdom, false confidence. Confidence in myself. Last time for Finney Lone, he said, How rare it is to find a soul still enough to hear God speak. How rare it is to find a soul still enough to hear God speak. Do you know why I named my boy Samuel? I mean, yes, I know his name was on a Coke bottle. You know, we all know that. It's that which is true. That was all true. But listen, his name is Samuel because I truly believe the greatest challenge of his generation is going to be to hear the voice of God. That is going to be the greatest challenge. Challenge, But Samuel, the little boy in the Old Testament, he said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And all of his days, he listened. You know, why did Jesus tell his disciples to take nothing? Why is he telling me to deny and to lose? What's the point behind it? That I would know only him. That I would see only him. And that I would hear only his voice. The one voice. That I would hear it alone. May I appeal to you this morning that the widow's life, a life that was despised, a life that was uncelebrated, a life that was hard, a life that was painful, and yet low it was, low though it was, in the eyes of God, it was great. In the eyes of God, it was great. In the depth of her soul, it was sweet. Can you hear your king today? Are you able to hear him? Can you hear the Spirit speak? Now, is there a struggle? Is there a sin struggle? In your life today, is there an addiction? Is there a vanity? Is there a pleasure? Is there something that is quenching the voice of God who's calling out to soothe your heart? May we never believe today, guys, that those things, those things I'm wrestling with or those things I love or whatever, may we never believe that they are stronger than the lion. May we never believe they're stronger than the lion. May we never believe that those things are sweeter than the lamb. For they are not. Philippians 3.8 says, I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. It says, all for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. There's an old, old hymn. 
nearer, my God, to thee. You know, it expresses the longing, the, the ultimate longing of the heart to be near to its creator. It says, listen, you know what? There's a cross. There's a heavy cross. There's a weighty cross that I have in my life. But recognize it is through that, it is in that cross, it is with that cross that ever nearer I have opportunity to draw near to the King. Now I included that verse, one of the verses of that hymn uh, in the bulletin. And we're going to listen to uh, an orchestra play that song. And here just, you know, in the quiet, in the stillness, may we search our hearts and how how highly valuable do we see the low life? How highly valuable do I see the low life today? Do I despise it? Am I like the rich? Do I not want to hear the voice of God? Am I fooled by the temporary and the frail? Or am I longing for it? Near my God to thee, that song prays. Near my ever nearer, my God to thee. Let's watch it together. Now let's pray. Lord Jesus, with you there is life. Jesus, with you there is freedom. And there is purpose. And there is happiness. But Jesus, apart from you, may we recognize today that there are shackles. And there there are chains. There are overwhelming burdens. That a heart was never meant to bear. That a heart was never meant to take. That a heart was never meant to carry. And so Father, we're coming to you today seeing the value in carrying nothing. Holding nothing. Nothing of me. That I might see and that I might hear only you. And Jesus, how I would pray for each heart today. That they would see and that they would know only you. How dim would the things of this world become and how sweeter the thought and the reality of growing nearer to You. Drawing near to You. Father, I pray for those hearts that are struggling, that are trying, that are are wanting. But Father, the world holds fast. And I just pray that in the name of Jesus, that it would not be so today. That in the name of Jesus, in the taking on of Jesus, in the pursuing of His life, in the victory that comes through His indwelling, Father, may that become a reality for each heart here. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much that You were willing to take on the low life, that You left Your throne your crown in heaven and you came to here on earth to serve and to suffer in my place. And I praise you for that. It's in your name that I'm here. It's in your name that I seek your face. For it was out of love that you gave yourself for me. And so Jesus, out of love, may we offer ourselves to you. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray together. Amen.